I'm Jacqueline. And I'm Courtney. And this is Caffeinated Crimes. You know, sometimes I feel like we should start recording as soon as we get on the call. But then I feel like we'd also have a lot of stuff to cut out because, mm-hmm. I mean, like we just had a 25 minute conversation about what we did yesterday. So, yeah, you know, there's a lot to unpack there. Um, a lot of fun stories. Because I mean, I guess we could record those conversations and put them on Patreon, but then would they become unauthentic? Because then we would be like pulling for stories, you know? Yeah. Like we know we're being recorded, so we're a little bit more, you know, uh, thinking about what we're saying. Polished and uh, and I feel like, too, we wouldn't get to have as good of a conversation because yeah. there would be some things you couldn't say or some things that you would have to, like, yeah. skirt around or, you know. But it gave me time to paint my nails, as y'all know I do every time we record because <laughs> just try to fit in as many things in my morning as possible, especially now that it is fall and football is on. So once one o'clock hits, I mean, nothing else is getting done for the rest of the day. So... Yeah, I mean, that is how it is. Um, It'll be the one o'clock games, then you you got to nap, then you got to get up <laughs> and do your meal prep and everything, and then you got to yeah. nap, and then you got to, you know, it's... You got to walk your dogs, you got to, you know, get your Sunday, all your Sunday prep done, and... I know, Sunday is just like, it's always that day where you're like, dang, I got to do the laundry, and I got to do this, and I got to do that, and it's just like, I wish I had a maid. We need a four-day work week is what we need, because you need, like, your day that. to, like relax your day to do fun stuff your day to do chores you know it's america it's a lot and my work week has been crazy too because i'm currently yeah. doing two people's jobs but <laughs> that's a story for another day <laughs> well my work week my um macbook screen died was it monday night yeah because we recorded two episodes on sunday and i was opening my computer i was going to finish writing an episode and then start uh editing the episode that we recorded the day before and then my screen just went black and i was like that's probably not good (laughs) so no um and it like nothing would happen so i did like a hard restart and then it was like black with like purple lines and i texted to courtney and i was like this is this is not good this is Um, not good not How great. How does your so, new uh, screen look, by the way? How does it look? It looks great. There are no okay, scratches. There are no, yeah, I was a little nervous. Um, I ended up going with a refurbished screen because that was only like $650 to replace as opposed to like $900 to get the brand new one from Apple. Um, but they had like different grades of screens that you could get. So I got like the better one and it's like looks brand new and it has a year warranty. So I'm hopeful that this will not be a repeat issue. <laughs> Basically, I told Jacqueline that she just needs to wait until like right before the one year warranty, <laughs> break her screen, get a new one and just yep. repeat the process over and over again. Yeah. Um, you know, just in case. Just, just keep case. doing it. Yeah. I went to this little like mm-hmm. shop um, that was on like Apple's like authorized technicians. I don't know what the, mm-hmm. you know, but basically I couldn't get an appointment at the actual Apple store until the next day, but that one had something that day and it was closer to me and they were like super great and quick and got everything done. And I went to pick it up and the lady's like, yeah, well now, you know, we're here, blah, blah. And I'm like, lady, I hope I don't need you again. Like, I appreciate it, but I, I hope my this is our last can't encounter. <laughs> yeah, I know. Like my wallet cannot take this. Yeah. So that happened. And then also um, my internet wasn't working this morning and I was like, something does not want us to record these episodes today. So hopefully the rest of this goes smoothly. We'll see. You know, at the time of this recording, some planets are in retrograde. I think there's Mm -hmm. six. 
And normally I'm like, I don't know. I mean, yeah, I get it. Like retrograde, like the, the world is the world and whatever. But Lord, have I started believing after this week. It's been, it has been a week. Yeah, I agree. Everything this week for everyone I know has just been mm-hmm. a shit show. Uh, my child's molars are coming in. So this is like the first time she's really had a tough time with teething. Normally it's not too bad, but she has been struggling this week with like those giant molars coming in and it's she doesn't want to sleep, doesn't want to nap. It's gotten better, but last night she did not want to go to sleep either. So it's you know, yeah, we're all tired. <laughs> we're all tired. And it's just like, especially the Tuesday of this week, it was like at work, like everything was going, like anything that could go wrong was going wrong. Like, and mm-hmm. it got to the point where I was just like, if one more person texts me, I'm throwing myself out a window. I can't <laughs> do it anymore. <laughs> it was also one of those weeks that every single day I was wondering how it was not Friday yet. Like today Mm -hmm. has to be Friday, right? Nope. Still not Friday. Every morning I woke up, still not Friday. How is this possible? I had to work yesterday. We had to move some stuff out of my office. You know, it's just anyway. Now we've continued talking for another (laughs) however long about just utter nonsense like you do. And well, you know, we don't have many updates. So, you know, that kind of has to do with it. We Our current update, which might be a little out of date again by the time you hear this. (laughs) Was that Adnan Syed was officially released from prison. They did um, accept the motion to vacate his conviction. So the prosecutors and the DA are going to see if they like want or if they're going to retry it or if they're just going to like not try him again. Mm-hmm. I'm still very interested in that DNA. I yep. really want to know what Same. that DNA says. Um, but I guess we'll know soon if it goes to trial again because I can't see them going to trial again unless they have DNA evidence, honestly. Mm-hmm. I agree because they don't want to risk him being exonerated or not exonerated. um, Like found not guilty. What is that word? Acquitted? Yeah, not guilty. Acquitted. There we go. I was like, (laughs) my brain was. I was like, I don't know what you want me to say. (laughs) It was searching for that word. But yeah, they don't want to risk him getting acquitted. And then they don't have the opportunity to retry if something else does come forward in the future because yeah, i think so. too if they did like retry it with the evidence they have i mean i don't think they said they would allow jay's testimony again mm. and i don't think the cell tower like i mean that's basically like kind of debunked like it's not yeah. debunked but it's not as hard of a science as they were making it mm-hmm. i think asia mclean would probably come and like testify seeing him at the library like yeah unless they have dna like they can't retry him basically <laughs> And I really think because it's such a high profile case now, finding people for a jury that have not listened mm-hmm. to serial, that have not read all these articles or, you know, had these discussions with people, I think would be really difficult to get an impartial jury. I was also listening to the update serial released and I could not stop laughing because only murders in the building obviously made yeah. like her be like cereal uh-huh. and just like hearing like the the music it was doing and the way she was talking <laughs> I was just like oh my god nothing's funny about what she's saying but now I can't stop laughing because I'm picturing like Tina Fey like because yes. <laughs> only murders in the building did such a good job like mm-hmm. so good with that whole yeah yeah agreed so yeah that is our only update for today um so we are going to go ahead and get into today's case Um, So we watched a documentary called Undercurrent, The Disappearance of Kim Wall. 
an innovation.journalismgrants.org article, a BBC article, Washington Post article, and an article from the International Women's Media Foundation. On August 10th, 2017, 30-year-old journalist Kim Wall sailed off on a reporting assignment with a Danish inventor, Peter Madsen, aboard the submarine UC-3 Nautilus. Kim Wall would never be seen again. Kim Wall was born on March 23rd, 1987, and she grew up in a tight-knit community in the small town of Trelleborg in southern Sweden. Um, there are a lot of cities names in this episode that I apologize if I pronounce incorrectly because hearing it and knowing the right way to say it and getting it to come out of my mouth is a different story. <laughs> Two very different things, yeah. I yes. <laughs> um, so where she grew up is on the strait that divides Denmark and Sweden. Um, she got a bachelor's degree in international relations from the London School of Economics and Political Science, and she also graduated with honors from Columbia University with a master's in journalism and international affairs. Um, Kim was naturally inclined for journalism. She was a very tenacious person, um, described as just having no patience for bullshit, a dose of skepticism, just made for journalism. Um, and she really leaned towards telling stories of people on the front lines of like various types of crises. And she was like different and really sought out stories that were not mainstream. Like she was trying to find things that most people didn't know about that were, you know, quirky and just a little bit different. So she loved to travel the world for stories and learn more about the world. She was curious and always asking questions, and she really just loved the weirdness of the world. So Kim had been an EU intern in India after she graduated with her master's degree, and she liked to go after the undercurrents of society and just focused on people who were not talked about as much in society. She was really outgoing and had a way of finding hidden gems like locations and restaurants. She was really funny and made friends everywhere she went, and she was really excited to become a journalist. Kim traveled internationally to cover stories, and she appeared in The Guardian, New York Times, Vice Magazine, Time, The Atlantic, and many more. She also reported on things like post-war Sri Lanka and the tourism industry on post-earthquake Haiti, and she won the Hansel Meath Prize for Best Digital Reporting for her coverage of climate change and nuclear testing in the Marshall Islands. So obviously tackling these like really serious, really big yes. topics and obviously doing a very good job of it because she was winning awards for it too. Yeah, like she was amazing at what she did. So in the summer of 2017, Kim was living in Copenhagen with her boyfriend while continuing her freelance reporting. Um, so she had seen Peter Madsen's submarine before and got into contact with him to do a story. So on August 10th, she went to his workshop and did the pre-interview before going out on the submarine. So later on, she was supposed to go to a going away party um, for her and her boyfriend with some friends because she was supposed to be moving to China with her boyfriend. So she decided not to go out with them and to go with Peter on his submarine instead for her story. As she went out, she waved goodbye from the submarine and she texted her boyfriend, um, letting him know like where she is and that she was okay. And she sounded really excited about the trip. She was wearing a long-sleeved orange sweater and white tennis shoes. So at some point, they did go under, and this is when things start to get a little weird. Um, so she's supposed to be on the submarine for a couple of hours, and her boyfriend starts to worry when it's 10 p.m. and she isn't back yet. So he calls the Coast Guard at around 2.30 in the morning, and at 3.30, police start searching for the submarine. Um, they send out an alert that there's been a possible accident at sea, and the Danish Navy divers went out to help look for the submarine. 
So now we're going to give a little history on Peter Madsen. Um, Peter was born on January 12th, 1971. He was an inventor and kind of like a minor celebrity in Denmark. He was very eccentric. He liked to make these like extreme machines, like submarines and rockets. He liked to build things. And a lot of people just followed him to see like what crazy thing he was building next, um, kind of compared to someone like Elon Musk. And in 2002, the Danish Navy had heard about his plans to build a submarine and they weren't very happy about it because they're like, obviously, we don't want other like civilian people out here just having submarines. Don't think that's a good idea. (laughs) That's not great for the national security. (laughs) Yeah. So they looked at the plans and they're like, this is too heavy for submerged operation. It seems kind of dangerous. And when the commander in chief heard about the submarine missing, they weren't surprised because they thought this would happen with the way the private submarines seem to be built. They're like, we don't think this was safe. So we're not surprised that now we're having trouble locating it. Um, So overall, Peter was a really great storyteller. He had a way of making people believe that they could do anything. Um, He ended up building three submarines in all. So the first was Freya in 2002, and it was small, only about six meters and could barely fit two people. Then in 2005, he built Kraka, and it could fit about three people in it. Um, And it looked like a German submarine from World War II. Then in 2008, he built Nautilus, which was his masterpiece. So not long after the submarines, he started his rocket program. He really wanted to build a rocket that could launch him into space, um, but he just did it like for the love of the project. He wasn't trying to sell it or anything. So when Kim went on the submarine with Peter, she was doing a story for a magazine called The Wired. So Peter fit really well into the types of stories that she was interested in, like he was outside of the norm, this kind of wacky genius designer. So she was going to tour the submarine and write about it. So obviously the appeal of the story is pretty obvious. And it's pretty easy, too. It's like right where you live. You're like, I don't even have to travel for this one. Easy money. Let's go. Exactly. Right here. Let me go write this story. Get back in time for my party. It's all good. So on August 11th, diving teams are about to be sent out to look for the submarine. um, And Peter never really went that far out in his submarine. So the team thought it was kind of odd. And at 1030, a lighthouse spotted the submarine and could see a man in the tower. So Peter made contact from the submarine and he was in Crew Bay, which is south of Copenhagen. Again, I apologize for the pronunciation. So Peter says on the radio that everyone on the boat is fine. Like, he's like, everything's fine. You know, go ahead and go home. We don't need anything. Then two to three minutes later, there was another phone call and the submarine was sinking and Peter was jumping into the water. So this was a red flag to the Danish Navy because the submarine like doesn't sink the way that it did. Like Peter could have saved it. Like they're like, something's wrong. Like it doesn't just sink in this manner. Um, They're kind of suspicious of Peter at this point. And Kim was also still missing. So the way the sub sank is the way it looks when it dives. So it looked like a normal dive and not an accident. And they believe that he had sunk it intentionally. Um, The Navy commander's like, something is wrong. You should arrest him. But the police are like, we can't arrest him without cause. Like, we need to be 100% certain. And he's like, I am 100% certain. Like, something is wrong here. Um, He had Mm -hmm. left the hatch open as well while it was sinking, which is also strange. Yeah, like, you're just letting the whole thing fill up with water now. Yeah. And if, like, you're wanting your submarine to be, like, like you can close the hatch. Like, it doesn't make any sense. You're not. Like, why he's doing what he's doing. Yeah. So when Peter came to shore, he was asked about where Kim was, and he said she was fine, and he had dropped her off last night close to where she lived. So he was hoping to go home, but the police were hesitant, and he kept saying it was only him on the submarine. He's like, no one else sailed out with me. 
Um, He claimed a valve failure was the reason it sank, but a close friend did say he was acting weird when he got back. He seemed extra tired and worn out. He said normally if he talked about the submarine sinking, he would use these big metaphors and poetry because that's who he was, just very eccentric language. But he's like, he didn't describe it that way at all. Um, Just very abnormal behavior for him. And he was arrested when he returned. So people are wondering if he had dropped Kim off and something happened to her once she was on shore again, but people were also finding Peter suspicious and thought that he had harmed her and he wasn't telling the police something. And many friends were confused because, like, how could Kim go missing on this trip? Like, she had been to North Korea and, like, other arguably more dangerous places than this and came back fine. And Denmark is considered one of the safest countries in the world. It's where she lived. Like, it doesn't make sense that this would be the story that she goes missing for. So Kim was both a Swedish citizen and a Danish citizen. So both Sweden and Denmark had jurisdiction. So the Swedish police were trying to ping her phone and trying to search the waters for the submarine. And since Peter had claimed to drop her off at 1030 that night, they were trying to find ways to confirm the story. So a local bar owner said he had the whole area covered with CCTV and they could see on all the cameras that no one came to the harbor that night. And Peter was officially charged with her murder. So on August 13th, Kim has now been missing for 48 hours. So they charged him with her murder before like two two days after before she's even found mm-hmm. wow they were just like we're gonna charge like i guess to arrest him you have to yeah. charge him with something true and they were like she's missing and you're acting weird so. yeah i should realize they could do that without a body in such a short period of time you know yeah i think it was just so that he wouldn't go home and probably destroy mm-hmm. anything else yeah um makes sense but, you know. So they got a large ship to get the submarine out of the water and the submarine was 17 and a half meters long. So they're trying to like safely get it out. They're not really sure of the condition of the boat. They were able to slowly raise it and bring it to Harbor and investigators began searching the Nautilus to see what had happened. So Kim was not in the submarine, but the boat was a mess and there did appear to be a possible piece of flesh and possible blood. Her clothes were there with tickets in her pocket and it didn't seem like something she would leave if he had dropped her off on shore. On August 21st, Kim had now been missing for 11 days. So now Peter had pled not guilty in front of a judge and changed his story. He said an accident happened on the submarine and she had died from the injury. It's like, okay, these are two very different things. You just said you dropped her off, and now you're saying that she died by accident. Yeah, and he loves to change a story. He loves to change a story. So then there's a press conference um, where they reveal that they recovered a torso, no arms, legs, or head, and the DNA confirmed that it did belong to Kim Wall. So Peter's next court hearing was on September 5th, and Peter gave his whole explanation on the incident on the submarine. He said that the hatch on the submarine, which was like a big heavy hatch, had hit Kim in the head and just knocked her dead. He said he panicked and he was like, this is so tragic. I must give her a funeral at sea, as he called it. And so he threw her body overboard. But he doesn't comment on the fact that she was dismembered. Um, Yeah, it's like, oh, so you just threw her over like well how does she get dismembered then yeah what yeah so that part's still a mystery um but he did give so much detail that people thought it could be true like he was very detailed in this story that he's giving um but now they have to hope that they can find her head in order to confirm the story because he's saying she died from a head injury if you can find her head you can back that up 
So the investigators are searching for the rest of her body and they're diving as much as they can in Crew Bay, but it is a huge bay. So it is really difficult to search, especially like now that you're not searching for a whole body, you know, you're searching Mm -hmm. for pieces that makes it even more difficult. So they searched for a month and didn't really find anything. Um, So they brought in Torben Vang, who is an oceanographer from Aris University. I don't know. Words are hard. (laughs) Um, So he just had this great understanding of how things could be transported in water. So obviously a great person to bring in to help with this. And the first day they looked where Torben recommended, they did have a hit. Um, The diver found a plastic bag and unfortunately found Kim's severed head inside. Um, And there was no evidence of trauma or fracture to the head. So, of course, Peter's story is not true. Um, And the divers were able to find Kim's legs at that point as well. So January 16th, 2018, Peter Madsen is formally indicted on first degree murder and sexual assault charges. Um, And obviously they could tell Kim had been dismembered intentionally. And Peter's friends said that he could be very manipulative and narcissistic. And they kind of just allowed that because he had these like grand ideas. So they were like, yeah, he was just like kind of like different and not the best guy. But he had these great ideas that we wanted to be a part of. Um, and but I don't really think they ever believed he thought he'd be capable of murder necessarily. They're like, yeah, he's kind of grimy, but I don't think he would commit murder. Yeah, like those are very different things to be like, yeah, this guy's weird, and I think he could be a murderer. Those don't usually go hand in hand. Yeah. <laughs> so Peter's trial began on March 8th, and it was an absolute fucking circus. Just cameras, journalists everywhere. It was it was a mess. Which you also have to remember, like we said, Denmark is a very safe place. So murder trials probably just don't happen that frequently either, especially this large scale where it's like stranger, you know, on stranger. Yeah. And I'm sure, too, with her being a journalist, that many of the people they are reporting, you know, are colleagues and people that knew her personally. Mm -hmm. So that's going to make this story even bigger than it normally would be. Yeah. So it was revealed in trial that Peter had Googled the words beheading, girl, and agony, but kind of like spelled wrong, from his phone around the time of Kim's death. So pipes and straps were found on body parts and in bags that contained Kim's clothes that matched similar items that were found in Peter's workshop. So it was kind of like he planned it, but very poorly planned it. Um, And they also showed pictures of Peter after he'd been brought to shore on August 11th. And you can actually see blood on his nose in like the pictures. So he didn't even like wipe his face. (laughs) Yeah. So Peter kept saying her death was an accident, but now he's saying she died of carbon monoxide poisoning down in the submarine while he was on top. So now he's saying the hatch had gotten stuck and he couldn't get it open. And since the engines were running, carbon monoxide was getting in and Kim couldn't get out. And she died within 10 minutes. So, and again, you had to dismember her body. Why? Yeah. So experts were called in every time he's like changing his story to be like, is this even plausible? Because like now he's like saying all this to a jury and now we got to get experts to like fact check it basically um and it was tricky too because he like kept talking about the submarine like 
almost engineer-like. So a lot of people who don't have like knowledge of submarines and engineering didn't know if it was real or just him making it up. Cause it's like, well, is that possible? I don't know, but you're talking so confidently. I guess I believe you. <laughs> like, Yeah. Like if you gave me super detailed, you know, just descri- des- descriptions, I was going to say descriptions and instructions at the same time. Um, <laughs> if you gave me like a super detailed analysis of something of how a submarine works, I'd be like, yeah, sounds sounds legit. I Especially have no idea. Like I believe you. owns it and like built it and stuff. You're like, yeah, I guess you know how submarines work. Yeah. Um, so when asked why he kept changing his story, um, he said he was trying to protect Kim's parents from the horrible truth. Um, he wanted to give them an impression of a, quote, sudden death and that she didn't suffer. Yeah. So, however, with the data, like, there's no way this carbon monoxide story is true. It's it's not. There's no way anyone who knows, like, submarines in depth, like, knew it was not possible for, like, carbon monoxide from engines running to, like, just get into the submarine. Like, it's not a thing. Yeah. So then Peter started rambling about how he had to go home to his three cats and like telling everyone the cats names. And he's just like rambling. Um, And he just kind of believed he could just talk his way out of things. Like, again, he's kind of narcissistic, kind of manipulative. So I guess he's like, people are calling my bullshit. So let me just talk about how I have to go home to my cats and just start distracting you, I guess. So the prosecutor asked him at one point, like, why did you cut up Kim? Like, if you're claiming this is an accidental death and you had no part in it, why did you cut her up? And his response was, I had a big problem. And what do you do with a big problem? You cut it up into small pieces. Gross. Gross. Disgusting. Especially if you're talking about, quote, an accidental death. Like, if you're still saying it was an accident, like, then that's not a problem. You go back to shore and call the police. Like, you, yeah. you phone in. I need help. Like, no normal person experiences, witnesses this accident and thinks to themselves, I should cut up this body because that's the way to handle this. That no, no one is going to no. do that. No one who is innocent is going to think that. Yeah. And also, the saw used to cut up Kim was seen in footage of Peter and had been hanging in his workshop. So they're like, We see your saw in your YouTube videos you posted. And everyone saw him, you know, carrying the saw. So it's, like, pretty clear that he murdered Kim. This was not an accident. He murdered her. But, like, why did he do it? So we're going to go a little back to Peter's, like, childhood. So he grew up in West Shelland. I really hope I said that right. I'm sorry. Um, He was the only child of his father, Carl. And his mother, Annie, was 36 years younger than Carl and also had other children. So Carl was a very brutal dad and he would beat the sons. Um, He's not really a person you'd really look up to. Not that kind of father figure you want in your life. Carl had worked in Nazi Germany and Peter said he acted very strict his entire life. Yeah, also not someone you really want in your life. So Carl and Annie would fight often um, and they did eventually break up when Peter was six. Um, So Peter ended up going with Carl and he was never able to see his mother again. So after the age of six, never saw his mom. Um, and Peter would just tell people like, my mom was dumb. Like, I didn't want to live with her. She was stupid. Um, and many speculate he just kind of had a hatred of women that started like really early on. So not great. So a former colleague said he didn't think like he secretly hated women, but he saw them more as like play objects, like rather than people. So he's like, I don't think he actively hates women, but he doesn't like view them as equals or view them as people, basically. Yeah. 
So um, Peter was married and had an open marriage and he would go to like sex parties a lot and his sexual interests were kind of outside the norm. Um, But women who'd been with him at these sex parties said like he was never violent or like acted out like against the women there. Um, But he kind of just had to have some like unusual fetishes. Um, And his wife did divorce him during the trial. So she was like, okay, I'm I'm gone. (laughs) She's like, no, I did not sign up for this. No, thank you. I think I'm going to leave now. <laughs> um, on March 23rd, 2018, women were called to testify at trial. So his relationship with women played like a big role in the trial because they're kind of trying to show like he's kind of like misogynistic, sexist. Um, so one witness who does want to remain anonymous testified about how she met him around 10 years ago at a party. She said it was a dress up party, but I'm not sure if she meant like formal or costume. But he came as an astronaut and she thought it was kind of like crazy, like, you know, so I don't know if it maybe was like suit and tie and he shows up as an astronaut. Like, that's kind of what it sounds like to be like, like she went dress up as like you were supposed to dress up in formal attire and then, you know, he comes in a costume, comes as an astronaut. Yeah. Um, And she was like, wow, you know, it is kind of crazy. Also seeing this guy who like builds rockets and submarines, like he's the local celebrity. It's like if you show up to a party and like. Maybe not Elon Musk, but kind of like an Elon Musk is there. And you're just like, mm-hmm. wow, that's kind of crazy. <laughs> um, she did kind of think he was a little bit pathetic and she kind of felt sorry for him. But she did kind of keep in touch with him. Like they were kind of friendly. They would text back and forth. Um, and she had a feeling that he wanted to be more than friends, but she didn't want that. And Peter would text her very weird messages saying like he would blow up a city and kidnap her. So she obviously found this weird and scary because wouldn't we all? Um, Yeah, I don't I don't think anyone has ever flirted with me saying those things. And mm -hmm. I think it would be a big a big red flag if someone says that to you. So, you know. Yeah. She also said he tried to get her to come on the submarine like multiple times. And she was like, I have kids like the kids would have to be with me. And he'd be like, no, like the kids can't come. But like he wouldn't say why, which he was like always like friendly towards the kids. But like for the submarine, he was like, no, 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 your kids can't come. Just you. Yeah, that's weird. So um, she also mentioned like bringing her boyfriend with her. And he was like, no, no, not possible. Like it has to just be you alone. And she kind of found it weird because like he would always say, bring your friends, bring your kids. And now this changed when it's like in regards to the submarine. And she did kind of feel like he was trying to lure her on. And obviously hindsight, she was like, maybe he wanted to like murder me. Yeah, absolutely. And Peter did seem to be exploring sexual violence in the months leading up to Kim's murder. He had some sent some texts to women talking about tying them up and poking them with knives or skewers. Um, he talked more about like killing and torturing. And he didn't really open up about this with like, friends or colleagues but with women who didn't find him threatening so he wouldn't talk about this to like his friends or anyone else it was just these women he was kind of like sexting with basically so police found videos on peter's computer and he did appear to have a few snuff films on there and very dark pornographic material um he was watching a video 24 hours before he went out with kim on the submarine and the video was almost exactly what had happened to her Ugh. Ugh. yeah it's it's gross um and one man who was in the court said it felt like he was like watching like over the shoulder of a killer like preparing himself like all this like evidence like pointing to the premeditation like the way they were laying it out they were like it was like the perfect picture of like yeah this is exactly like what happened 
And Peter had actually tried to get a few women to go alone with him on the submarine and it didn't work out. And Kim was honestly just in the wrong place at the wrong time because she was trying to get this story. And Kim had been to hostile environment training because being a journalist is a very dangerous job and you're taking on like a level of risk. Um, And she had been taught like how to react when being kidnapped or taken hostage or in a car accident. Um, But honestly, this interview with Peter Madsen should have been low risk. Um, You know, like many journalists in the documentary say how like they personally wouldn't even think twice about going on the submarine. They're like, this is such an easy softball interview. Um, You know, she's been to North Korea by herself as a woman and then all these places. So it's like this one in her city on a submarine should have been low risk. Um, And like Peter had been in the news, he had no known criminal record. Like this was just the assignment. Like there was nothing like pointing to the fact of like, this could be dangerous. And especially too, I feel like if you are such a high profile person or, you know, this local celebrity, people feel more safe with you because they're like, Mm -hmm. oh, you're very well known. Like your movements are well known. Like people know I'm out here on the submarine with you doing a story. Why would you think that something would happen to you? Yeah, And like there's literally a video of her on the submarine, like waving by like to the shore. Like there's like documentation of her getting on the submarine. Like it's not. Yeah. And it's like, you know, people know where you are. So why would you think that something would happen to you when clearly it's just the two of you on the submarine? You know, it's pretty easy. Yeah. So on April 23rd, prosecution presents Peter's psychological evaluation. So they had a severe, they said he had a severe lack of empathy, remorse, and sense of guilt. So they kind of painted him to be a man with narcissistic and psychopathic tendencies who liked watching violent videos and planned to kill Kim. And the psychological evaluation also fit along with like what they'd presented so far. So they were like, everything we're kind of seeing in this psych profile kind of matches up with what happened. And the report also stated that he was very dangerous because he probably planned to do it again. Like they were like, I don't think this is a one-off thing. Like I think he probably planned to do this again. And there was such brutality that many questions, like many question, like, had he murdered before? Like, how is this his first murder? Because it is so brutal. Yeah. And I think, too, with it being such a random thing, like, it doesn't mm-hmm. seem like he sought out Kim beforehand or that he was stalking her or used this specifically as an excuse to get her specifically. And then especially with this other woman that thinks he was trying to lure her on there, it doesn't see. it seems very random, which points to you've done this before or you will mm-hmm. do this again. Yeah. And a lot of people think this wasn't his first crime, like at all. Like they're like, I think you don't really just like your first crime is usually not this like violent murder. So they're like, I feel like, you know, he may have done other stuff. Um, So they did test his DNA against open cases of murder, sexual assault, robbery, and any violent crimes in Sweden and Denmark, but there were no matches. And from what I've heard, there have been no further matches. So Peter only liked projects where he was like the number one guy or the boss. Um, If he felt like ignored or like that he wasn't the center of attention, he would get aggressive. He'd create drama. Um, He'd actually been forced to resign from a company and then started his own company. So that's kind of why he had this whole thing. Um, But he did blame everyone else for his problems. So it was never no accountability. It was always, oh, this person did this to me, whatever. And he said like, the company that he started like really stressed him out. And that's just why he had to kill Kim. Like I'm so stressed. You know, the only stress reliever is murdering an innocent woman. 
I think we are all stressed out by our jobs and most of us are not murderers. No, I hope not. (laughs) Um, (laughs) So after seven weeks of trial and 11 days of deliberation, Peter was found guilty of premeditated murder and sentenced to life in prison. However, Denmark and the U.S., where most of our listeners are, very different interpretations of life in prison. So in Denmark, it's pretty rare to get life imprisonment when you've only killed one person and have no prior record. Um, So this was kind of a historic moment that he got the sentencing. Um, But life in Denmark, he could, after serving 12 years, he can apply for a pardon. And on average, the life sentence in Denmark is 16 years. So it's possible he could get out only after 16 years. So life in prison doesn't always mean like the rest of your life. Yeah, it hardly ever does. Yeah. So on October 20th, 2020, Peter escaped from prison because you didn't think he would just go quietly, did you? No. So he was able to build like a weapon-like thing and threaten the guard. So the guard was just like, okay, have fun um, and let him (laughs) run. He was like, we'll get you eventually. But yeah, I'm not I'm not dying today. He's like, I don't get paid enough for this. I'm not. You you go on. Um, He was chased by guards. Um, So he like succeeded in the escape. um, But after he left the prison, he was surrounded by sharpshooters. um, And they said he did have like a bomb around his chest. Don't know how he made that in prison either. But he's just still causing news. And he's still causing news because in September 2021, 2021 there was another article about him um so a bill was submitted to lawmakers that would restrict prison inmates serving life sentences from communicating with much of the outside world so a lot of this bill comes because there was a lot of public frustration because peter would pursue relationships with women while in prison and many are like how is this fair like he is serving a life sentence for murdering a woman and now he just gets to like be a playboy in prison and have all these women yeah not okay um and many feel frustrated he's allowed to like have this and he after like committing one of the most heinous crimes like in denmark history like in recent history at least because they're like this is literally one of the worst cases like we've had in like decades and now you're just letting him do whatever he wants and like especially because this is something that's so rare there so people are very invested in Mm -hmm. this trial this sentencing people are you know like looking out for it, like watching the mm-hmm. news related to it, keep keeping up to date with the latest news. Um, it also reminds me of what was his name? Mark in Can can you give me a little bit more context? <laughs> <laughs> really, Courtney, that you you're not okay. I thought we were on the same wavelength. Um wavelength. <laughs> Just a wavelength. Wavelength, that's the reason. I'm on a wavelength and you're on a wavelength. <laughs> yes. That's the problem right there. Um, no one is on my wavelength. Um uh he he was the the child molester that killed the little girls. He was in another European country. Oh, the one we did? Yes. Oh. It was Mark something. De 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 I think it starts with a D. Everyone is screaming right now. I'm so yeah, sorry, I'm, guys. Yeah, sorry, guys. They, they I know all, who you're talking about, uh, though. Yeah. Yeah, but it reminds me of him where it that 
kind of thing doesn't happen in that area. So when it was time for him to get out, like people were outraged and like everyone was like, like the entire community was on board with saying, no, we don't want this to happen. It kind of reminds me of that situation. I'm so sorry for that long sidebar that just, (laughs) I'm going to stop talking now. (laughs) Oh my God. (laughs) So Peter met and married his wife while in prison. Um, He married Jenny Kirpin, who is a Russian artist in exile. Um, And he also had a long distance relationship with a teenage minor. So clearly people are pissed about this because like, what are you doing? So if passed, the bill will limit correspondence and visitation rights during the first 10 years of detention to only people like the person knew before incarceration, which I think is a pretty fair, pretty fair bill. I mean, they're not saying you can't see anyone, but yeah. So it would also ban them from sharing details about their criminal activities on social media or on podcasts. So another pretty, pretty good part. Um, yeah, I would, I would agree. That's a, a positive thing. Yeah. And there are narrow exemptions for prisoners whose family like declined to contact them. So I guess if like their families are like, I don't ever want to talk to you again. Like they're like, we might make an exception where if like you can have someone you didn't know if like no one is coming to see you. Um, And in a statement, a representative of the justice ministry said that prisoners facing life behind bars should not be able to use Danish prisons as dating centers or platforms to brag about their crimes. And I think we can all agree with that. That has sound logic. Yeah. Apparently, though, Peter is not the first person to use prison to date. In 2015, Danish inmates set up Date an Inmate Facebook group, and the group has close to 30,000 members. And the U.S. has one as similar as well. Guys, if you look, I understand it can be hard out there. um, But in this beautiful world of technology, there are so many other ways that you can meet someone that's not seeking out an inmate in prison. Yeah. Not saying that if you are with someone that goes to prison that you should leave them, not, you know, getting into those circumstances and, you know, whatever, but intentionally seeking out someone because they're in prison. That's the part that's like weird for me. Yeah. It's not like, it's not like maybe like you reconnected with someone like that you knew in high school and they're in prison and you're dating them. Like, I get that. But the fact that you're just like, I need a boyfriend. Let me find an inmate. Like, that's kind of weird. Yeah. Maybe so. reevaluate some, maybe, maybe yeah. some therapy might might do you good, maybe. Yeah. Um, and it did appear that the bill was passed soon after it was introduced. So following her death, Kim's family and friends created the Kim Wall Memorial Fund, supporting female journalists. So they give $5,000 scholarships to help fund female journalists whose report carries forward Kim's legacy. Um, the world was just honestly robbed of so many stories like she could and would have told. Um, she had just a knack for finding these like amazing stories and just like the undercurrent of society. And now she's just not able to tell those stories anymore. And every year they celebrate Kim's birthday and announce the new winner of the scholarship. So a lot of the media really focuses on Peter Madsen and less on Kim Wall. It's all this, oh, crazy scientist kills woman. Um, And they're just not talking about Kim or who she was as a person. Like she was a very successful journalist. She'd accomplished a lot. But they only talk about her as a murder victim. They don't talk about her life. And honestly, it was hard to find any information about Kim before her murder. Like you can tell we didn't really talk too much 
we just couldn't find anything about her childhood, her college years, her adventures. There's just the few stories like talked about in the documentary. It's not yeah, mm-hmm. wildly available. Um, so we do have her writings and a few stories for friends, but the majority you find is about Peter Madsen, unfortunately, because everyone wants to talk about him. Um, and it's, and it's real shitty. Um, but that is the murder of Kim Wall. And I feel like we see this so much, um, especially with some of the more high profile serial killers here in the U.S. who have killed a lot of women, Ted Bundy, Green River Killer, that their victims, no one remembers the victim's names. I mean, you can mm-hmm. say the killer's name and everyone remembers them, but then you say a victim's name and no one really makes the connection. Like they're not yeah. as well known. I mean, you have um, a whole Netflix show now just called Dahmer, it's about yeah. Jeffrey Dahmer, which like, my only fear with that is because Evan Peters, I mean, he is a great actor, but he is attractive. This is going to be that Ted Bundy, yep. Zac Efron movie all again, where people are going to be like, oh, but Jeffrey Dahmer, he never would have. I am starting to have doubt he didn't do it. And that was like my big problem where I'm like, no, no, yeah. no, no. Like quit sexualizing them. I'm not saying like find someone like ugly to play them, but like this is what's going to happen is people are going to start sexualizing. And I hate seeing those posts where it's like, Oh, like eat me like Dahmer and da 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 da. da. It's just like, that's fucking disgusting. Like, please stop. Please do not do that. Please do not sexualize them. Do not be like Richard Ramirez was so hot. No, he wasn't. He looks like a goddamn horse. (laughs) Ted Bundy was not that attractive. He was just like minimally attractive. Like just drop it just leave it he didn't seduce women with his beautiful looks he manipulated them like just quit and how can you just overlook clearly what horrific monsters these people are and have any opinion about their looks like how are you even like looking at them trying to think whether or not they're attractive how is that even a thought that pops into your head i just don't and i think it's a problem too because like i saw so many people who do not consume true crime or mm-hmm. do not watch true crime stuff stuff and like don't really know about ted bundy and if you do watch that movie it makes him kind of look fucking innocent honestly. yeah and then people are just like well did he do it or did he whatever and i'm like you were not like you need to do some research before you start spouting this shit um i think that's the biggest problem is that it could lead people to like think this like y'all ted bundy fucking confessed like, mm-hmm. he did he 100 yeah. did it like so did Jeffrey Dahmer. So I just don't want that to become like a thing where people are like, but did Jeffrey Dahmer do it? Like, yes, 100%. He was a total piece of shit. <laughs> and I haven't watched the Dahmer series yet. I don't know how they portray them. Um, yeah. I don't want to comment on that. I was just saying about the the casting of it. I've mm-hmm. already seen people be like, Evan Peters is so hot. I can't wait to see him as Dahmer. And it's just, it's people are going to like com- like muddle it in their brains to mm-hmm. other shit. And and it goes back to like watching it for like entertainment and excitement purposes versus like learning purposes. And I mean, obviously we have a true crime podcast. Like we mm-hmm. tell these stories. Obviously there is some level of entertainment and listening to these stories, but I feel like it should be coming from a place of, I want to learn more about these victims. I want to learn more about the psychology of what makes someone do this, about how we can prevent this from happening to people in the future. How does our criminal justice system work? And is it effective in stopping mm-hmm. people like this after the first time? Like Those are the types of things that when you are consuming con- consuming for entertainment purposes, you should also be consuming for increasing your own 
knowledge, you know. Mm-hmm. And I'll I'll probably end up watching it, and I'll let you guys know. Yeah, my thoughts on it. Yeah. I mean, I I I can't stay away, but I've also heard a lot of um, questionable things too. Yeah, but. I have not I've not seen it yet. I probably will watch it. Um, yeah, let us know if you guys have watched it and what your thoughts are on it. Oh man, that was a very long. Sorry, guys. Where did we go? Where did yeah. we go? Yeah. Okay. Bring it. Bring it back in. Bring Courtney. it back. Reel it back in. <laughs> get, get us back on the same wavelength. Here we go. What? <laughs> Courtney, what is your perk of the week? So my perk of the week. Again, this is going to be a little outdated by the time you guys listen to it. But y'all, the Vols fucking beat Florida. They did mm-hmm. it. They won. I know it was a close game at the end. I know. Whatever. But we won. Like we did mm-hmm. it. We've not won in five years, and I'm just so pumped about it. And we have a really, really tough stretch coming up. So it's a yeah. big win to get on that front end. It's always a close game with Florida, no matter how bad we are or good they are. I feel like it's always close. It yeah. always is coming down like to the last minute. And so like when I was out yesterday and I was just like cheering, like everyone just looked flat. And I'm like, guys, <laughs> please. Cause like I did hear someone be like, we didn't win by that much. And I'm like, can you just be happy for right? a second? Like, I would understand if maybe we were Alabama and we won every game by, like, mm-hmm. 50 points and then we lo- almost lose to Texas. Like, I understand maybe being a little upset then, being like, whew, that was rough. Mm-hmm. Um, but, like, come on, guys. Like, we have a lot of new players, like, a new coach who's still – he's not that new anymore, but he's kind of, you know, finally getting his, mm-hmm. you know, program, like, his players, like, getting it together and, like – there's some hope for the future and like we're ranked like it's a big deal like, yeah and we i i enjoy them, but they're a ranked team ranked team too like yeah i enjoy watching a close game more than i enjoy watching a blowout like even if it's my team that's the one mm-hmm. that's like winning by a lot i'm like i think it's more entertaining when it's like coming down to the wire and you're like you know that that stress and anxiety and i, I feel like that's more fun than yeah. just like oh well i know second quarter in this game's obviously over you know but yeah so I'm just very excited. I'm hoping for a good season. I'm hoping, you know, any of our stuff, like we're, we're going to work on it. We have a bye week. Let's like get it mm-hmm. going. It's a tough stretch, but I'm really excited. I'm just so pumped. And after the Titans um, decimal start to a season <laughs> and my favorite Titan just revealing that he's out for the rest of the fucking season. Yikes. I'm just happy that I have one team who is winning a little bit. So. <laughs> That is my perk of the week. Jacqueline, what is yours? Um, I do have to tell a quick, cute Millie story first. Um, so we were watching the game yesterday and she's learned touchdowns. Like when you say touchdown, like she'll put her arms up in a touchdown mm-hmm. and Florida scored and Andrew's like fucking touchdown. And then Millie <laughs> like throws her arms up she's and Andrew's like, like Andrew's like, no, no wrong no, no, team. No, no, no. And she just looks so confused because she's like, no, I, I got this down now. I know this is, <laughs> she's like, I don't understand why I'm not supposed to do that. Now. That's so funny. Her face just being like, yeah, she's she like, yeah, because she like does the touchdown and then starts clapping, and then Andrew's like, no, and she's like, I don't, okay, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> that oh, is gosh. so funny. Um, but my perk of the week <laughs> is that Law and Order SVU came back this week. Um, <laughs> for the their, most, the most Jacqueline perk of the week there's <laughs> ever been <laughs> for their 500th season. I don't even was it 24, I think. Three, I don't that know. That was a lot of fucking seasons. Yeah. It's 23 or 24, but for the first time, because I guess it's, yeah, but for the first time they did a 
three hour crossover between all three of the current law and orders. So they like revamped mm-hmm. like the original law and order. They have um, the new law and order with uh, Elliot Stabler. That's the organized crime. And then the SVU. So they had like a three back to back crossover where like it's one storyline that goes through like all of them. So that was pretty cool. Mm-hmm. And it's funny because I told Tiffany that was like three hours. I'm like, this is going to like take me two weeks to watch. And you know, so I watched, watched it in one sitting. I, yeah, sure did. So <laughs> <laughs> wait until after really went to bed, stayed up late, just watched the whole thing, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that was my perk of the week. Always excited for a new a new law and order season. And, you know, because now there's three of them. So every week I get, you know, we'll you usually a lot do of content. Yeah, we usually do one episode a night, Andrew and I do, which is on Peacock now, which I do have Peacock, but I was very annoyed that like they never announced that it was going off of Hulu. So I'm just like, oh, okay. so you were like, where is it? I can't find yeah. it. Like, yeah. Andrew, I'm like Andrew like logged in. He's like, we, we can't watch it. And I was like, what do you mean? What, what, what do you mean we can't watch it? I have my pizza. Those are fighting words. <laughs> <laughs> I have my pizza. I'm ready to sit down and watch Law & Order for three hours. I don't know what you mean. But thankfully, we found out it was on Peacock. So... Yeah, that's good. But that is my perk of the week. Um, if you want to tell us about your um, what you thought about the season opener of Law and Order, um, what you think about the Vols or other football or this case, um, the new Dahmer series, what you think about serial killers being sensationalized, you know, just send us all the things. We are on Instagram at Caffeinated Crimes Pod. We are on Twitter at Caff Crimes Pod. That's C A F F Crimes Pod. We are on Facebook at Caffeinated Crimes Podcast. We are on, what did I forget? There's one more. Did you, you know, email? Nope. We are on email. <laughs> we are on email. You can email us. Like, <laughs> you can email us at caffeinatedcrimespod at gmail.com. You can find us on YouTube and TikTok and all those places. Guys, yeah, just Google us. We'll come up. We, we pop mm-hmm. up on Google. So, you know, yeah. If you go to like our Instagram, we have the link tree there. Yes. It'll li- link to everything. You'll find us. Um, yeah. And please always give a five. St- oh, just Patreon. Don't forget Patreon. Oh, yeah, um, that too. Yeah, please give us money. How can we forget the most important part? <laughs> uh, yeah. So you'll get bonus episodes. You'll get uh, monthly hangouts, pin and sticker, Discord channel quarterly gifts a bunch of good perks over there it's all laid out um ad free episodes just mm-hmm. a bunch of stuff like that um so you can go to patreon.com slash crimes you can hear all about it there again please five stars apple Podcasts, spotify wherever you can rate us subscribe on youtube give us a thumbs up on the episodes if you like it if you don't like it that's okay just keep moving don't hit the down <laughs> button just keep moving just go don't leave um, us hateful comments it's unnecessary thank you I to tell you i logged into the youtube and saw five notifications and my heart oh, dropped God. but none like, of what them did were we bad. do none oh, were good oh, wow. <laughs> they were just They're new nice. subscribers and like a few just like okay. comments that weren't like just cool. commenting on the case they weren't nice. like mean <laughs> and i was just like but i saw five and i was like <gasps> what do we do wrong <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was preparing myself for like five hate comments, but oh, they, no. they were fine. They were fine. <laughs> I do every time I log on YouTube and I see a notification, I feel so much anxiety. I know. It's like it's usually bad. It's, so like, it's so scary. Um <laughs> But in the meantime, go have a cup of coffee. And don't commit a crime. Mm-hmm.